This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. The Catholic Church and the Black Lives Matter movement. Battle to the death or an uneasy alliance? During the first half of 2020, the only stories that have been able to knock COVID-19 off the nation's front pages have been related to the Black Lives Matter movement. This fact places Catholics in a difficult situation. On one hand, the Catholic Church rejects racism, as it has for 2,000 years. On the other hand, the Marxist nature of Black Lives Matter movement makes it impossible for traditionalists to support them. This episode of the Return to Order Moment considers these unsettling circumstances. The two articles that make up this episode explore the proper relationship between the Church and this revolutionary movement. First, John Horvath II describes three reasons why Catholics cannot support the BLM revolution. This article was first published on LifeSite News on August 14, 2020. It was then published on www.returntoorder.org on August 18th. An editorial in the New York Times by Elizabeth Brunig titled Racism Makes a Liar of God presents a sentimental yet stinging indictment of Catholics who reject the present anti-racist activism. She cannot understand why these generally conservative Catholics cannot bring themselves to pronounce the three explosive words, Black Lives Matter. The editorial calls upon these Catholics to rise above the polemics surrounding the movement and embrace the historical moment to fight racism. Catholics should unconditionally proclaim the slogan, even, quote-unquote, understand the reasons behind the violence and engage in activism as a means to, quote, fulfill the hope laid out for Christians in the first epistle of John. Let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action, unquote. Such rhetoric oversimplifies the position of countless Catholics perplexed by the call to join the BLM revolution. They are far from being the cold, heartless, and oblivious Christians Mrs. Brunig paints in her op-ed. They are filled, however, with legitimate concerns that need to be addressed. Of course, these Catholics can pronounce a lower-cased Black Lives Matter without any problem. The Catholic Church was the institution that, for the first time in history, broke the back of quote-unquote systemic slavery that was the fate of most people in the ancient pagan world. The argument the Church advanced back then was that everyone is created with an immortal soul, redeemed by our Lord Jesus Christ. And thus, all souls matter. For this reason, the Church went forth and taught all nations, races, and peoples, baptizing them and instructing them on how to live lives of Christian virtue. The Church has a long and honorable history of seeking after the salvation of souls wherever they might be, even to the ends of the earth. She never wavered in her conviction that all souls matter. Thus, Catholics are by their nature anti-racist. They ardently desire the salvation of all souls, without exception, regardless of race. Of this, there can be no doubt. The doubts come when it is time to pronounce the uppercase brand, Black Lives Matter. Attached to this label are causes and philosophies that clash with the Church's solicitude for the salvation of souls. 
Reluctant Catholics wonder how BLM activists can fail to grasp that the message being transmitted by the movement is not all souls matter. The cry of these three volatile words implies an endorsement of the breaking of God's moral law, since the BLM movement enthusiastically embraces the LGBTQ plus cause and Planned Parenthood. The echoes of this catchy slogan resound on the violent streets of Portland, Oregon, where cursing Antifa and BLM rioters burn Bibles and U.S. flags, destroy property, and injure police officers of all races. Intertwined in the motto's short syllables is a Marxist class struggle narrative in bitter conflict with the church's social teachings and responsible for the deaths of tens of millions of lives and the eternal damnation of countless souls. Is it any wonder that Catholics cannot bring themselves to utter these three words that can represent a spectacular clash with the Great Commission, which affirms that all souls matter? Justice demands that the BLM subversive and immoral positions be rejected, since they contain falsehoods by which souls might well be lost. Unless the movement abjures these evil influences, it cannot command the respect, much less the allegiance, of those Catholics who sincerely want to help. Mrs. Brunig dismisses these associations with leftist causes as incidental links that cloud the real debate over racism. She holds that Marxist groups are but fellow travelers, with whom all can and must march in protest against injustice. Just as pro-lifers might march with atheists, so also Catholics can join Marxists. Never mind that Marxists have always astutely used Catholics, whom they dub useful idiots, to further their nefarious cause. All too often, this unholy alliance has resulted in the persecution and death of the naive Catholics who embarked on this dangerous path. The writer also tends to reduce the resistance to the BLM cause to conservative reactions to vandalism of churches and statues. Indeed, the desire to damage and destroy is openly admitted. BLM sympathizer Sean King called for the smashing of white Jesus representations, saints, and stained glass. Quote, tear them down, unquote. However, Mrs. Brunig claims destroyed property can be rebuilt or replaced, although much probably will never be. Ignoring the wisdom in the adage that two wrongs don't make one right, she repeats the cruel and false mantra that reluctant Catholics value money and property over black lives. Everyone knows the statues themselves are not the target in the attack. Rather, it is who they represent. Reducing Catholic resistance to an attachment to real or personal church property is again simplistic. Destroying property will never be a morally legitimate channel of protest for the loss of life. It is immoral to sin against the seventh commandment in protest over violations of the fifth. Both acts are morally indefensible. They subvert the nation's common good and must be rejected. These simplistic excuses are but a sideshow that deflects from the real issues. There are three telltale signs in the BLM movement that indicate why Catholics cannot embrace this revolutionary cause and still be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ.
The first is the movement's hypocritical unconcern for the innocent lives of black unborn babies. Indeed, its militants, sympathizers, media supporters, business CEO enablers, and fellow travelers are all part of the pro-abortion establishment. BLM embraces the sin of procured abortion, the scourge of the black community. This untenable position signals to concerned Catholics that the movement does not believe that these babies have immortal souls that are redeemed by the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. These souls, tens of millions of them, do not matter to the BLM movement. The second reason why Catholics must withhold support is that the movement clashes with the Church's moral teaching. Again, BLM joins all those hostile to church teaching and those on the wrong side of the long culture war that is devastating families across America. The crushing weight of absent fathers, struggling single mothers, and broken families destroys the black community and puts its children at risk. Yet BLM activists do not seem to care about restoring the family to its order and dignity. With Adam and Eve, God instituted traditional marriage as the union of one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others. The fourth commandment enjoins children to honor their father and mother. The perfect way to raise children is inside the shelter of a Christian family. The BLM pledges to, quote, Disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another. Unquote. Behind BLM's quote unquote queer affirming network, freed of quote the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, unquote, Catholics discern the anti Christian paradigm. It is unacceptable to anyone who believes that all souls matter. The final reason for not supporting the cause is that the BLM promotes a secular narrative deeply steeped in the Marxist class struggle dialectic of its two Marxist co-founders. The movement adopts a false worldview, where everything is explained by a division of society into oppressors and oppressed and mutual hatred between the two camps. It is a cold, deterministic, and materialistic narrative. It does not accept the existence of an immortal soul. Nothing could be farther from the Catholic worldview, in which so much is explained by things spiritual, sacramental, and supernatural. This perspective, informed by the love of God and neighbor, is the easiest and surest path to understanding the just and harmonious relationships that can and should exist among humanity's various races and ethnicities. Marxist egalitarianism is as removed from the Catholic sense as hell is from heaven. It is not fueled by love, but in the hatred easily seen in the actions of many sympathizers. They eschew all polite and civil discourse. They prefer instead to explode into obscenities and violence. A Catholic response to the problem never excludes the key role of God and His grace. It harmonizes people rather than dividing and pitting one against another. 
Racism will only be overcome when confronted by a culture characterized by courtesy, respect, and Christian charity, and the Catholic worldview that all souls matter. What commentators like Mrs. Brunig fail to understand is that they are involved in the wrong fight by the wrong people. It is hard to grasp how Catholics are expected to unite with a liberal establishment that has consistently opposed the Church and her moral law. Equally disturbing is how such commentators allow the debate to be framed by the left that has proposed a discourse without God and leads to the calamitous path of socialism and communism. However, the most terrible part of their outlook is its incredibly narrow-minded vision of society. Mrs. Brunig and others have decried the reluctant Catholics as quote-unquote oblivious to the racial injustice found in economy, politics, and culture. However, these commentators are far more oblivious to the much greater moral crisis that afflicts all society. If they would but look around themselves, they would see how it is everywhere and is devastating America. They would find broken families, black and white, suffering from the disastrous effects of the sexual revolution. They would find shattered communities, destroyed by an individualistic culture where no one cares for others, just themselves. They would discover godless regions of the nation, where vast segments of the population struggle with existential questions of why they live. The racial issue is extremely important, but it melds into this generalized moral crisis. To think that a solution can be found without a general moral conversion and returning to virtuous and ordered living is wishful thinking. A return to God is the only option. This fight takes on importance in the face of the COVID crisis and its catastrophic economic consequences. It does not take much to perceive that the whole system could easily come tumbling down. The most efficient way to solve the racial issue is to address this universal moral problem by which all souls matter. A specific point of concern is the role that Catholic schools play in promoting or refuting the revolutionary agendas of the Black Lives Matter movement and its fellow travelers, Antifa. Edwin Benson looks at those who want cooperation between these two worldviews. He explores this relationship in his article, Are Catholic Schools Becoming Antifa Recruiting Centers? In the wake of COVID-19 and the disturbances following the death of George Floyd, The people at the National Catholic Educational Association, NCEA, seem not to know which end is up. This conclusion naturally arises when looking at the material on its website titled Catholic School Resources for Combating Racism, and especially the videotaped panel discussion for a time like this, the Catholic response to systemic racism. The NCEA was founded in 1904. For most of its history, it has had a dual function. One function is, in their own words, quote, leadership development for superintendents, presidents, principals, pastors, and governing bodies, professional development for teachers, and serving as the voice for Catholic school education, unquote. It works closely with the United States Council of Catholic Bishops, USCCB. 
NCEA speaks less of its other function. The organization tries to legitimize Catholic schools in the eyes of the educational establishment. In this role, it translates the educational philosophy of John Dewey and his followers into terms that do not unduly disturb the Catholic clergy and laity. The relationship between these roles came into full fruition with the quote-unquote spirit of Vatican II that progressives have long promoted inside the American church. Their goals meshed easily with those of the Deweyite educators. In the name of unity, both seek to divest Catholicism and society of those ancient truths that chafed against modern sensibilities. Under this program, many Catholic schools became smaller reflections of public schools, with daily religion classes and occasional celebration of Mass. The religion classes were tailored so as not to offend Protestant parents. The masses were always accompanied by quote-unquote contemporary music and messages of false ecumenism. The result is predictable. There are about half as many students in Catholic schools today than there were in 1965. Every year has a new list of Catholic schools that close their doors permanently. Despite that woeful record, the NCEA sails along as progressive course. However, the progressive waters became a lot choppier in the spring of 2020. Progressive movements are in disarray, and the NCEA is no exception. Today, liberal is never liberal enough. The For a Time Like This video reflects this chaos as it struggles toward a solution. It is introduced by NCEA's John Reyes, who has the unlikely title Executive Director of Operational Vitality. He takes less than a minute to call the death of George Floyd, quote, a pivotal moment for the life of the church, unquote. According to NCEA, quote, the panel is made up of black Catholic school educators prepared to address the inherent inequality and systemic racial injustice in Catholic schools and how to take effective action to create change, unquote. The panel consists of a priest, a principal, a counselor, a teacher, and an educational consultant. The moderator is Rodney Pierre-Antoine, Executive Director of Lumen Christi Academies in Oakland, California. However, the discussion does not define inherent inequality or systemic racial injustice. Nor do any of the panelists attempt to prove that they exist in Catholic schools. No one defends the record of Holy Mother Church or her schools as bastions against racism throughout her history. The outstanding educators, St. John Bosco and St. John Baptiste de La Salle, have no home here. An overwhelmingly leftist slant is apparent from the beginning. One of the few mentions of God comes when the moderator opines, quote, We are designed to be countercultural. Jesus, our leader, was countercultural. He was inclusive, welcoming all. Unquote. No one explains the context in which our Lord was countercultural. The panelists appear to have no idea that their brand of progressivism has become the culture of modern America. 
These discussants seem to want Catholic school students to become Antifa-like social justice warriors. Testifying to this social change end, the moderator made his allusion to our Lord after quoting James Baldwin, a black author and activist of the mid-20th century. Quote, Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. Unquote. He did not mention that James Baldwin saw Christianity as hypocritical and racist. Mr. Baldwin's autobiography described an occasion when he was asked if he was a Christian. His response was, quote, I? Now? Nothing. I'm a writer. I like doing things alone. Unquote. The discussion was replete with common modern catchphrases. Objective truth was lost in a flurry of our truths, my truth, and the students' truths. Students were not to look to God. They need to find and speak their authentic voices, their stories, and our black identities. The classroom focus should be lived experience. Teachers should be speaking truth to power. The Marxist obsession with power and struggle was present. Quote, Shift the voice in the classroom, the power in the classroom, to those who are owning their learning, which is the students. Unquote. Such notions reflect John Dewey's distortion of the student-teacher relationship. One panelist asked, quote, how does a classroom teacher make that shift from being the voice of knowledge to recognizing that everyone in that classroom, the kids, are coming with their own knowledge, their own story, their own truth? Unquote. The answer is that teachers simply need to facilitate this by being, quote, their authentic, true, and vulnerable selves. Unquote. Unfortunately, no one on the panel represented the traditional Catholic version of history, which cut through the confusion and doublespeak. Far better would it be if students learned history informed by the love of God and neighbor. Such a Catholic reading of history is the best way to understand the just and harmonious relationships that can and should exist among humanity's various races and ethnicities. Resorting to Marxist egalitarianism provides a platform that is fueled by hate, not love. It sets the stage for the hate-filled suburbanites that fill the ranks of Antifa terrorist protesters. The Catholic position is truly countercultural. Indeed, throughout history, the Church has been countercultural, especially as it confronts the universal tendency to exalt sin and vice. This is the message that students need now. Students deserve better than the watered-down Catholicism that they were taught, courtesy of the progressives at the NCEA. This concludes the Catholic Church and the Black Lives Matter movement. Battle to the death or an uneasy alliance? Thank you so much for listening. To read these or find related articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. 
In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.